Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. On Jay Something's website, there's a saying that says, life is a collection of experiences. In the second half of 2022, I had media accreditation to the DSTV Delicious Festival in Johannesburg, South Africa. I went to go watch one of Jay Something's cooking demonstrations, introduced myself and asked him if he would be a guest on my podcast and he agreed. Jay Something is a singer, songwriter, producer, cook and part of the band Mikasa. The band have remained chart favourites in their native South Africa, scoring eight number one hits and numerous top ten singles. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Jay Something. Jay Something, tell us how are you doing and what's happening in your world? How I'm doing? It's always uh, an interesting question yes. because I think it can either be answered very simplest in a very simplistic mm-hmm. manner, uh, or we could really dive in. I'm actually in a really good space at the moment. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling really happy today. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling a little bit tired today, but mm-hmm. I'm 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 embracing it all. I'm only tired because I've been blessed to be able to be working a lot. So happy about that. Um, and yeah, in a good space at home, in a good space with work. Proud of the stuff that I'm doing. And uh, looking forward to to the year ahead. Brilliant. Now, why J-something? Where does that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my name is João, which is uh, arguably one of the most common names uh, where I'm from, which is Portugal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was born in Portugal in the Algarve uh, in in a town called Portimão which is on the south tip of Portugal. It's a really beautiful part of Portugal. Um, and when I came to South Africa when I was seven, I only knew how to speak Portuguese, but I kind of got embraced by culture and, and languages and people. And, and I, I, I started to learn English and Glossa and Afrikaans all at the same time in the okay. Eastern Cape. And not a lot of people could say my name. So uh, I, I went through my whole youth with my name being butchered. And then when I decided <laughs> that I... Well, when I when I f- took the first step of I want to become an artist and I want to I want to pursue this dream of mine, I, I thought you know what? Let's make it easy. It's just J something. J something. J something. It's uh, it's also it's also a lot deeper meaning, but uh, yeah. I don't know how far you want to dive into it. It's interesting because a lot of people struggle with my name Barrett. Okay. They and I just tell them call me B. Okay. <laughs> Some people call me B Dog. Yeah. But others call me B. I just because people struggle with my name as well. So yeah. Um, I don't know how people can butcher Barrett. Like how how does that get it's, butchered? It's interesting. They they call it beret. <laughs> beret. Beret. <laughs> beret. They're a bit confused of where their okay. you know inflictions are. Okay. If that's a correct word. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> So I just say, call me B. If you're unsure, it's carrot with a B. Okay. But yeah, different yeah. spelling. With the B. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so what are, yeah, let's dive deeper. You said there's some deeper meaning. Well, I mean, like, you know, I think that uh, we, we even, even with my band, you know, Mikasa, like, I think that um, names, I think names have got so much power, you know, like when, when, when you really stand by the power of the name. I think when you own that, it's got a lot of power. And I think that for me, like, um, in the industry that I dreamt of getting into, which is the industry that I'm in, music, I always struggled a lot with the amount of, I guess, call it ego that lies in the industry. And I think that it's it's a, it's an industry, you know, the arts are so dependent on the viewer and the listener and the, the beholder. Um, and we create from such vulnerable places, but 
Jay something also kind of just takes away the attention from me uh, in a way in my head. Oh, it's just like it's it's okay. it's not really about me. It's I get it. it's about it's about the art. It's about the music. It's about the energy that you feel from me. Yes. Um, it's kind of in a way diverting the attention a little bit in my head. No, I um, I completely got it. Like I which had... might me which might which might actually be more of an internal thing than for anybody yes. else. It's just a kind reminder that hey, it's not really about João. Yeah, it's about it's about the 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 energy that flows through me. I, that that's why I chose Celeb Savant because it's not about Barrett. Sure. It's about the people I'm speaking to, their messages, their journeys, yes. their interesting stories, and the energies of the people receiving that mm. and how they interpret it. Yeah. That's so good. I totally get it. I actually had an aha moment while he was saying <laughs> it. <that's... laughs> okay, let's take it all the way back to the beginning of when you fell in love with music. How did that happen? When, age, all those type of things. Interesting because like – you know, when when I look back on my life, I think that um, before or well, from things or moments that I can't actually remember, my mom and my brother uh, often remind me and and show me pictures of of me as a three, four year old, uh, you know, holding a little piano, wanting to have everybody's attention, you know, standing on top of a couch and asking everybody to keep quiet whilst I <laughs> mimed over a song that I liked and, uh, you know, uh, played a guitar that actually didn't make any sound but just wanted to be holding it and, mm -hmm. and showing people. So from a very young age, I kind of had that uh, almost instilled in me. Um, it's not something that I necessarily grew up around. It was just organically, magically there. Um, and as I grew up, I think that I had a lot of beautiful moments with music. I, I remember my uncle who who is a, a vinyl collector and a music, uh, you know, uh, I obsessed. He's obsessed with music, possessed by music, and um, and I remember him meticulously taking music from a vinyl, recording it onto tape so that nobody had touched his vinyls. Yes. And then, if you wanted to listen to Tracy Chapman or if you wanted to listen to Dave Matthews, you would go and ask him for the tape, and you yes. would pop that into your Walkman, and you would enjoy it. And that was one of my first memories. Was actually Tracy Chapman and Dave Matthews and listening to that as a sacred moment that was only allowed to me by my uncle. Uh, and I would lie in bed. I have this vivid memory lying on, on my, my aunt's, um, my, in my aunt's house, uh, listening to uh, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds uh, doing this concert. And, and that for me was the beginning. But as life progressed, I had so many beautiful encounters with music. Uh, you know, I, I remember... Uh, seeing Michael Jackson on TV for the first time and just feeling that amount of power and energy that he had. I wanted that uh, from, from that moment on. I wanted that amount of influence because I wanted to influence and I still do want to influence the world for the better. I want to bring out positive energy and I felt like he did that in a way. And through school I had, I mean, I, like in, in grade eight uh, and I was a hostel boy in the Eastern Cape at Graham College and um, grade eight, you had to look after a matric. You were essentially this, like, uh, you were his, his, his boy, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> and I remember uh, my, my matric, his name was uh, Zooks Maikiso. He had a hi-fi system and he would he had CDs and this was like revolutionary because I didn't have that and I remember I had to go and make his bed and you know do his laundry and whatnot and he had uh, artists like 112 Genuine Music Soul Child Dwelle and this is where the introduction of soul and R&B came into my life uh, D'Angelo and 
And that that really started to make me, I, I would make the bed and play my favorite song and then be singing it. And and these moments, I guess, all developed who I am today when okay. I look back at, at uh, but yeah, I think that music has just been in me in me, and I'm, I've just been pursuing it in a very like a organic way. I don't know what the word is, yeah, but yeah. without a plan really. I just I just really love music. I really really love the being able to create. Mikasa, how did that come to fruition? How did you meet the guys? What age? You know the whole story behind that, and why the name? It's such an interesting thing, you know, doing interviews where where you get to talk about things and, you know, like like we're talking now. I just feel like even before Mikasa, there's so much chunk of of my life that happened that led to that moment. Okay. I think, but but nonetheless, you know, I think that uh, the one of the things that I just wanted to add to to the question before is my mom had a had a, a, a restaurant for 18 years, and in that restaurant she had a guy by the name of Zaka, and he would play guitar and sing for people every night. And I remember just looking at this guy and thinking, like, this this is he's a god, you know, because he would play whatever song and yes. he would do all these covers and he would just sing and people would get happy and. He would just be able to change the mood instantly. And and that led me to getting a guitar okay. And at the age of 11. And he actually taught me for six months before he unfortunately passed on. But And, and when he passed on, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. And and I had no more teacher. But then later on in high school, I picked up the guitar again and 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 I started to write music. And yes. that was a really influential moment because the guitar helped me to be able to create. Now I wasn't just singing over the CDs uh, that I had. I was now being able to create my own voice and my own vibe. Um I, I then I then went to I wanted to study music, but my mom didn't really think it was a good idea. And I think that she was spot on. Uh not that studying music is a bad idea, but I think that she made me um, um, she wanted me to go to varsity and get a degree and, and, and that sort of thing. And I went to Stellenbosch University and I, I did the most creative thing that I thought I could do, which is marketing. And I, I love brand and I love marketing. I think that there's so much creativeness around it. And, and I think now when I look back on the last 11 years of my life, what I've done is build brands, one of them being Mikasa. The, the story of how Mikasa came about is one of the reasons why we're still around, I believe, is that we were on a, I was invited to a party in the rooftop of a, of a place in Santon. I didn't know anybody. I was 20 years old. I arrived there. I, one person that I knew. and Was this still a during varsity still? No, no. Or? I just finished varsity okay, and okay. I moved up to Joba. That's why I said like there's so much stuff in between. Well, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Uh, yeah. You know, such a, <laughs> it's such a weird life that I live because I'm like, who the hell wants to listen to my story no, about all this? No, we love listening to know? stories. <laughs> um, actually, during 2010 World Cup, my my cousin who I didn't know was my cousin or I didn't know him at all uh, came to Port Elizabeth and my mom knew his parents and said hey your cousin is coming you should go and watch the game with them and I was like okay cool go meet him and I met him went to watch, watch the game with him he stayed at my parents house and then and that night uh, his name is Sergio and he was uh, one of the owners of a record label called Soul Candy oh yes of and course, yes. Um, he then said to me that night He's like, hey, you should really come to Joburg and maybe we could try and find you a job or something. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool. I got my <laughs> band. I had a band at that time. Yeah. You know, I just finished Varsity and we were doing gigs around pubs in, in the small town of Port Alfred. And, uh, and I was pretty content because I felt like I had a vision and I had a vibe going. Um, and the next morning, he was leaving at like four or five in the morning and he said, dude, I couldn't sleep. I really think you should come to Joburg. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
I don't know why, mm. but in that moment, you know, it's just, it's these magical moments that I look, reflect back on that I'm like, sometimes instinct kicks in. Sometimes the, you know, something just takes you, takes yes. over. Um, and I packed a bag, put my guitar in his car and I told my mom, I'm going to Joburg. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm going. And off I went and I lived on his couch for a good six months okay. before I got a job. Uh, which then well, I was managing and cleaning a studio for other artists. And I would prepare rehearsal rooms for the likes of TKZ, Judith Sepuma, Huma Sigela, uh, you know, uh, 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 so many artists, Brian Temba, and people that were perceived and uh, as icons. And I remember when these people would come, uh, Abdullah Ibrahim, like, I mean, a, a legend who, who like wanted nobody to touch his piano. And then I was stressing about this guy coming and, and I started to get a real feel for artists and understanding that, but also it also gave me like a big hole because it's what I wanted. I didn't want to mm. be necessarily cleaning up the studios and prepping all that stuff for them, you know? And then Soul Candy was hosting a party in Santon yes. and I got invited by my cousin. Now, at least the story makes sense yes. in my head. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I went there and there was a DJ playing and I thought the DJ was playing cool vibes. The party, in my, to my, my mind, felt like I was inside like an MTV screen. It was just like all perfect. <laughs> you know, yes. I, was, I came from a small town. Everybody just looked perfect. It just looked like it belonged on MTV in my yeah. head. And uh, I was extremely intimidated. But for some reason, I went up to the DJ and I said to him, hey, man, can I sing over these beats? And the DJ was like, what the hell? Who's this kid? I can only imagine what that must have felt like. Yeah. And, uh, and the DJ allowed me to. So I started to sing whatever song or whatever melody would pop up as he played these, these house beats. Yeah. And, uh, and the next thing, literally about 10 minutes later, not, not a word of a lie, like another kid rocks up and he's got a, he puts a bag on the floor next to me and he takes out a trumpet and he asks me if he can borrow the mic from me. So I'm like, Sure. So I would, I would be like, I would sing, sun is shining, weather is sweet again, and everyone will move over the rainbow. And then I would pass him the mic, I would hold it, and then he would play something, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden it's like a trumpet solo, and then I would take the mic away, and then I'd start singing again, and then we'd let, and we didn't know each other from a bar of soap, and all of a sudden this whole party, the whole energy of the party shifted, and everybody came towards us. It was like, it wasn't a stage, you know, yeah. everybody just came and, and then after this impromptu performance, everybody came and asked us for pictures and where can we get your music? And I'm like, yo, I don't even know these dudes. <laughs> I don't know them at all. Yes. And who were they? Moti on the trumpet, yeah. Dr. Duda, the DJ and producer, and the three of us are Mikasa now. And on that day, I begged them. I said, let's just get into the studio and try and do something. Yeah. It was three months that, because Duda was already an established artist. Three months later, he said, yeah, okay, cool. Come into the studio. And I came in and wrote These Streets. And uh, first song I ever wrote with Mikasa. And it was Good Morning to the World Out There, San Bonani, Ninjani Out There. And I had no idea what I was doing other than expressing how I was feeling about being in this big city. That song went on and it just became record of the year and our whole lives changed. Yeah, that was 2011 that we released these streets and uh and ever since it's just been yeah from height to height from like writing a list of dreams and scratching them all out because you've achieved them year on year and you just keep re trying to reinvent dreams or recreate what 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 do you want now it's almost it's felt like a dream like it's it's been absolutely amazing that's amazing so you mentioned about that instinct so for the listeners, I was at the DSTV festival a little while ago and I saw Jay something there. I thought, okay, 
I want to speak to Jay about coming onto the podcast. I want to trust that instinct and just go ahead and yeah. talk to him. And that's how we met and became friends. Yes. So um, let's talk about your creative process from nothing, zero, to a three to four minute song. What is that process? Is it easy every time? Is it the same process? How are you motivated? What invigorates you? Is it easy? That's the question that I'm kind of like stuck on with, with that you asked me there. Because, yeah, I think sometimes, it's, sometimes it flows and sometimes it doesn't flow. And, uh, and I think that I, I don't subscribe a lot to like, I, I'm trying my best to not subscribe a lot to opposites, you know, like, is it easy? Is it hard? But creation and the creativity and the way that it works for me, it's, it's just all about the moment. I never know. And that's part of the magic. It's this uncertainty. It's this unknown that you dive into. And, and melodies are flying through my head. Like it's, it's like, it's my, it's like there's the whole galaxy in my mind of, of music. And it just depends on where I'm flying around that might produce a certain melody. And I'm just, I keep on hearing melodies and I never know when they'll be used. And sometimes I, I, I come up with stuff that I think are just for the moment. And mm -hmm. then sometimes I, I'm lucky enough to be able to record them into a form of a, a song. So there is no actual process other than just allowing your, your vulnerability to come out and to try and create something. I've, I've been through a lot of phase in my career where, where we have to create because we have to create. And, uh, and it's, it's probably been some of the most frustrating parts of my career. Nonetheless, they've been successful. It's, it's a hard one to, to explain because there is no format. It's just sometimes I hear something and then I hear something else. It could be that like right now I could be hearing da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden it could be, I know that I want you, babe, and I'm going to chase it. And I've got no idea what I'm saying, yeah. but I'm just kind of ex expressing the feeling. But I think what I've tried to do is just to really be, to really try my hardest to really write, write music that is about what I'm going through, what I'm feeling, what I'm dreaming of, what I am experiencing. Um, because I think that that's where we find our uniqueness in artists, uh, as an artist. I've gone through my phases. I can't say that I've been 100% authentic throughout my Mikasa journey. I think our first album was very true and very vulnerable. I think then success happens and then everybody wants you to write hits because you don't, I didn't even know what a hit was. You know, I just was making music. Yes. And then you have all this pressure to write hits. And then you go and you, all right, okay, cool. I understand the format. Because we make pop music. You know, we make commercial music. So there's a format to it. There's a science behind it. You got, there's a certain time where the chorus needs to come in because it's a tension span. And you want to like, when the chorus comes in, you want to create a moment that it lifts the whole song almost over above everything else. And in that moment, you want to create a, an iconic, catchy melody that hopefully stays in people's minds that can become repetitive. And on top of that melody, you want to hope to create lyrical content that then can also further emphasize the part. So you can have a da 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 which is a catchy melody when you put it on top of a groove that's also catchy. And then all of a sudden, if you make a chiga, chiga, my baby, chiga, all of a sudden now somebody's got something to say on top of that melody. So, and then you start to recreate and, and you learn how to make what we call hit songs. Yeah. And, and you, you get stuck in this process. And then, and I was stuck in that process. And luckily, and I think it's part of the magic or part of the purpose of Mikasa, we just kept on achieving 
what we needed to achieve that allowed us to perform and connect with the people that we love connecting with. Um, and then my last album, We Made It, which was released two, two years ago. So I was like, you know what, man? I really just want to talk about how I'm feeling again through music. The hard thing about Mikasa and being authentic or being about feelings is that it's, it's dance music at the heart of it. So it's, it's sometimes you realize that people just want to dance, you know? So you don't want to like get too deep. You want to find a way to like yeah. hide your message in there. But yeah, what a, what a journey so far. But the, the creation process is such a strange one, you know, because you never know when it will come. We, we've, I've written songs on the plane. I've written number one hit records uh, at sound checks, you know? So like you never know. You just got to be awake and you got to be uh, present. Yes. That's really important. So you mentioned earlier about CDs. Previously it was vinyls. Remember them? <laughs> I still buy them. I still love my okay. CDs. I still buy, I love that aesthetic of holding yeah. and the artwork and yeah. all those type of things. Now these days, and you also mentioned the, you know, the atten attention span of the song. These days, it's the digital platforms and the attention span of the listeners, you have to grab them much quicker. So what are your perceptions around the way people are now listening to music compared to the way they used to? Vinyl and all those things are making a comeback, gratefully. And that the attention span needs to be, you need to grab them in the quicker than you used to because it being such a shorter attention sure. span. I mean, like, I'm even like, as I'm, as I'm talking to you here and you making a podcast, I'm just thinking like, damn, who's going to spend all this time listening to this whole story, you know? And I think that for me it's it's a really brave format that you choose is just to have like real good conversation and to be able to dive into things you know i, I sometimes go to radio and i'm just like but but, but, but this, this oh okay we're done we're moving on you know and it's like uh, there's so much more to that man yeah. it's not like you can't just ask me that and then one sentence and you're moving on yes. you know like this this it's context, you know. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, like you, 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 you can't be in an ocean and expect the wave to not crash you over. You almost have to give in to the tide. Okay. You have to give in to the way to the way that the system works in a way. Um, and, and I think that it's the hardest thing as as a, as an artist at the moment, as with with regards to what you're speaking about. For me personally. Um, especially because I'm in a new transition where I really want to start sharing my own music. Um, and, and I feel very scared to do that because my own music is not a song that is two and a half minutes that needs to then, it needs to be two and a half minutes so that it can make it onto a playlist because that's their only playlist songs that are two and a half minutes or under three minutes. I'm just like, damn, that's like, you're cutting out so much of the art. But now we're creating that way, you know, like I've just finished the new Mikasa record that's coming out, that's coming out this year. And I'm just like, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's the best work I think we've ever done musically, honestly. But we, we've learned how to create music now for that format. But Mikasa is a, it lives in that space, yes. the commercial space. So it's, that, it's got its sea. And you have to learn how to deal with that ocean. You can't be fighting the ocean. Mm. Uh, I can't be, and we try the best we can, um, but it's it's becoming extremely hard and harder. A song, and, and one of the things that I'm grateful about Mikasa is that when you look at Mamela, for example, which is a song that we released two and a half years ago, it's been on the charts for 90 odd weeks. 
So like this is a song and, and we make, and that's the thing about Mikasa is that Mikasa makes songs that, thank God, are becoming classics, are becoming timeless. They last longer than just, hey man, you were the song of this summer. You know, yeah. like I can care less about being a song of the summer. I want to be the song of the summers. Yeah. I, I, want, I want it to transcend. I want it to carry. Um, so it's becoming very hard. Um, and we try our best to fight the current, but uh, it's an interesting time we're living in. You know, like even with, with social media and sharing uh, your story and sharing your, uh, yeah, your journey, you, 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 you fall under this pressure of just how do I grab your attention? You know, it's all about yes. the first three seconds of the video. Yeah. It's all about the first line of your caption. It's, it's hard, man. It's, it's a, and that's why I say like we come from a society or culture that wants you to have more, 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 more followers, more likes, more whatever. And I'm trying my best to get out of that box of just yeah. like, you know what, man? Like whoever's out there that genuinely cares, yeah. I want to reciprocate that care. I want to I build those relationships because those are the ones that I really care about and those are the ones that last. So, um, yeah, we try our best to build a newsletter and hope that somebody reads it and we, we connect with the people that care, I think. It's interesting because you mentioned that the wave and the current and uh, letting it crash and flowing with it. If you look at Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody, the record company didn't want to release it because they had never heard of a four, five-minute track before. And Freddie pushed and fought and yeah. fought and fought and changed the dimension yeah. So maybe we just need to change the currents a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, those are those are th that story. We know that story because it's a, almost like a phenomenon, you know. So yes, you're right. I think we need to be, we need to be brave, and we need to be vulnerable, and we need to stick to what we want to do as artists because it's art, and you need to create it the way that you see it because that's the way you see it. Yeah. Nobody else sees it, hears it like that um so if you see it as a five minute song sure i think that now it just depends on where you play in you know like and that's that's the thing is that uh, even though bohemian rhapsody is a great record when last it year it on radio right true. it so won't true. play on radio it's an iconic song so that's where it's amazing it's it's gotten that reputation but release it now if there was a new record release it now it won't play on radio. It won't make it onto playlists. It needs to be reformatted. It's, 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 it will be a phenomenon if a radio plays a five-minute record. And that's five minutes. I think Bohemian Rhapsody was like eight minutes or something. It was like way longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you have to fight for what you want, but then also like, you know, it's like, it's like trying to fight like this whole thing about load shedding. You know, like people like, load oh, shedding. I'm like... Yeah, man, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not that powerful, dude. Like, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to waste my time being frustrated yes, over things exactly. I can't control or like politics or the governments. And I'm just like, dude, I, I'm, I'm not about that, man. Yeah. I, I want to control things that I can. I want to spend my energy on people that care, on things yes. I care about. I'm with you. In yeah, sense, man. So for the overseas listeners, Google South Africa load shedding. Or if don't. You, or, mean, don't like, yeah. or don't. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm going to play a game with you. I love this game. The recipients okay. don't always love this game. Okay. But I love it. Now, if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, 20 days, two hours, I know the answer will be different each and every time. Mm -hmm. But in this moment in time, your top five go-to songs by other artists. Sure. I'm quite a selfish person. I've, I've learned that. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I like, I like my own music. Okay. 
And I, I, as much as I like spending time outside, I try and limit the amount of music that I consume. Okay. Because I like to birth what is inside of me. And I think that if I listen to a lot of people, I get very swayed. But I could, I could, I could very easily tell you some artists that, I, that I'm mad inspired by. Sure. Currently, um, I would say Tom Mish, Jordan Rakai, uh, FKJ, Bonga Ziwe, uh, who's an incredible South African artist. And another one that I could throw in there uh, from, let's go a little bit nostalgic, would be Sade. Um, oh, yes. But but like I have so many. Yes, that's I have what I know. So many. I know it's a difficult question. Yeah, and it'd be different if I asked you that. Oh yes, know. yes, yes, totally. Now, the cooking. Let's go dive a little bit into that side. How did that happen? When did it happen? And what inspired it? What a random journey, to be honest with you. Like when I look back on it, I. It's it's crazy, actually. You know, I I I love it. And I hate it all at the same time. It's It's been such a weird thing because the other day I did a show and this older gentleman came up to me and he dude, you can sing. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah, yes. Like, this is what I do. Like, this, you know, and he's like, I thought you were a chef. And I'm like, I'm not even a chef. I just like cooking at home. Like, that's all that I actually like doing, you know. But it's also the nature of the beast, you know, I, like 10, um, not 10, I think maybe about eight or nine years ago, two or three years into my Mikasa journey, I got really overwhelmed with this, I had this world that I lived in, you know, and I needed to create something that allowed me just to, to chill and, and like not, you know, not always just be trying to be something or be somebody, you know, or just that pressure that comes with it all. Um, so I started to write a list of hobbies at home with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And, uh, and I remember just saying, yeah, what could I do more? Like, you know, like let's take Monday and I'm going to make that like my day off. Uh, and I, and I did that. And, and that was like, I'm not available for anything. I just want to be home and I want to do something. And I thought reading, like gaming, you know, da, da, da. and I and then I said, cooking. Why don't I just start cooking? It's for fun, you know. And that was it. We went and bought a cookbook. We went and bought a bottle of wine, and we went home. And I cooked something from Google. I like, I just like whatever. Like I can't. I think it was roast chicken or something like. Yeah. And uh, and I I made the mistake inverted commas mistake because it's actually been it's been such a blessing. Uh, I must just clear that that it's been a blessing. And uh, and I it was the era of hashtags where it just began and. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to post this picture, but I've got to create a really dope hashtag. So um, it was hashtag something's cooking. And, and it just, it went and I started posting every Monday for a good two years. And as the posts kind of became more, more um, consistent, um, people were like, oh my God, he's a chef. <laughs> and he cooks, he dances, he sings. And then they start throwing in the comments of like, you need to do a TV show. You need to do a cookbook. And I'm like, what on earth are you guys talking about, man? <laughs> like I'm literally Googling recipes and just trying to do them at home, you know, like phoning my mom and saying like, yo, how do I make that rice? You know, how do I make this? And, and so I took the leap of faith um, because I was encouraged by people and because people made me believe that I could do something, which is a really gift. It's just a really important gift that I've been given is these people that we call fans, you know, like they, they, they give me so much belief because I've built such a nice, 
network community of people. They, they're almost, in a way, we like each other. Like, it's just kindness. It's just good. It's love. It's positive energies. Like, you go onto my social media, like, you, you'll hardly see anything negative. It's just all good. Even in the comments, it's just all amazing people. And, and they made me believe that I could do this. So I went and I ventured out and I got in touch with some people. And next thing I knew, I had a TV show and it was called Something's Cooking by Jay. And next thing I knew, it became a cookbook. Uh, a three-time bestseller cookbook wow. uh, that that sold over twenty thousand copies. It was it was insane. And next thing I knew, it was on the door of a restaurant. And then I had my own restaurant in Pretoria, and I was like, "What?" And then next thing I knew, I was cooking next to Michelin star chefs. I was doing cooking demos next to the top chefs in the world. Marco Pierre White, you know, like these are like the baddest of baddest chefs in the world. And so it has evolved. And I've gone with it and I've tried to fight the current and I've tried to be like, I'm not a chef. Please don't put me in a jacket. Like I, I don't want to be called a chef. I just, I am. So I've, and I've, I've given in sometimes and I've been like trying to be pretentious and I've tried to create fancy food and I've been there trying to teach people how to cook. And I'm constantly trying to deal with my evolution and I'm trying to understand what it is that I am and what I'm not, what I want and what I don't want. Um, and, and this year I'm, I'm embarking on a new journey, which I think is really cool. And we, we working on a new narrative, which I think is bringing me back to who I am as a cook. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just cooking for my wife now. It's called for you, my love. And I'm just making dishes that I cook for her and we're just focusing on that. But what a mad journey. And then came my kitchen rules. And yes. then I'm next to like one of the best chefs in the country, in the continent, David Higgs. And I'm just like being able to learn from him. And I've built such an incredible relationship with him where he's one of my best friends now, you know. And yeah, I, I think that it's been amazing. But there's also parts of it that have, have taken away from what I really am, what I really want to be, which is a musician. And, uh, and it's this kind of tug of war all the yeah. time, you know, like people are like, do you like food or music? And I'm like, dude, it's not even like up for question. Yes. Man. Like I love music, but when I'm cooking, like I love to hear a song and I love to dance in the mm. kitchen, but I love cooking. It's, I love cooking for what it does for me. It's an act of service that I do for my family and my friends. And, uh, and I'm so glad that it's turned into this whole world because it's helped me to connect with more people and inspire people to cook. Because I think cooking is such a, cool thing to have in your arsenal more people should cook like it's it's all i want to do really it's just inspire mainly guys to cook i yeah. think it's dope like we, we we yeah it's a gift it's interesting what you're referencing now because there's a societal thing of labels so jay something's a singer he's in the band so that's his box <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me. yeah yeah he's in that box he's in that he's a chef so that's all he can be but every person can have so many. I see that picture of an octopus, right? And we're the octopus and we've got however many tentacles we want. Uh, Barrett, I'm the spinning instructor. I'm the podcast host. I'm the brother. I'm the son. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all these elements together, but people just see you in this one box as this one element. And when you try and venture out of that, because it's a societal thing of that's the box, it's it's like a mind screw for them because they're like, well, how can you be anything else? Because this is in the box that we've put you in. Yeah. 
I think when you think, when I, when I put my marketing cap on, I just think that, you know, you can blame whoever you want, but at the end of the day, it's actually our fault. You know, I think it's, it's like, it's what you put out there that people consume, you know? Yeah. So I think that there was a time on my social media where like, I would hardly see any music posts and I would be like, every day dishing out a recipe and being, cause it worked, you know? Yes. So like, and it gets those likes and it gets that stuff and yes. you're like, Oh my God, this is working. So now all of a sudden you push out more and more food content and then you wonder why people think you're a chef. So I think that sometimes it's like if, if um, you know, Bon Aqua was putting out fruit juice adverts, you would think Bon Aqua makes fruit juice. Yeah. You know, that's just, a, just an example. It's what you put out as a brand. Uh, it's what you market to people. It's what you communicate to people that people consume. Um, so at the end of the day, it just depends. And that's where, that's where I'm at at the moment. It's like, who do I want to be? And then work on a way on how that brand, the brand of Jay something, which is really just João, which is just me, showing people who I am in the hope that it can inspire and be something that is worth your while that can actually uplift you and make you become a better person. I, I'm not here for hype. Yeah. I'm here to try and just be something that can be better for you. And, and I hope that, and, and I feel like the people in my community are that for me too, you know, because when I write a post, I'm not wanting to brag about my life. I'm wanting to hopefully leave something for you to give you something and then get this connection and reciprocation from the people that, that, are interested in what I do. So I think it's partially our fault. Yes. You know, like what you put out there is what people get. Yes. Yeah. It's your billboard and you gotta you gotta design it, you know? Exactly. So what's next? We know there's a new album coming out, there are a whole bunch of different things happening. A hybrid version of the journey in the next coming while. Yeah, there's so much going on in my life at the moment, which I'm grateful for. You know, we come out of a very strange period where not much was going on. But um I've got a brand new restaurant called Artistry in the heart of Santon, uh, 22 Fredman Drive. It's a collaboration with a really dope hotel group called Black Brick. And, um, and we are pushing a new narrative. We're creating a new platform that is Artistry. Artistry is a, a three-tiered, uh, we have to call it a restaurant because it's the only kind of, it's, that makes sense to people. But the rooftop is a kitchen and a bar. It's got, a, it's got an outdoor swimming pool. It's got an outdoor cinema. And uh, we go a floor down in the elevator and you arrive at a 100-seater theater where you get to watch a live and unplugged performances, comedy nights, movie premieres, theaters, poetry nights, interesting talks. Uh, and then you drop into another floor and you arrive at the after-party bar where there's a DJ and there's a bar and you can have a great conversation and, and dance and connect with people and essentially have an after-party. Uh, and we're having a lot of fun with that. It's a, it's a cultural platform where we get to showcase the arts and celebrate everything that is classic, celebrate the things that have stood the test of time, uh, nothing trendy, everything that has just been there. It's, you know, even the interior, the architecture is all inspired by the 50s, the 60s. It's just really pulling into the things and celebrating the things that have stood the test of time. So that's happening. Um, working on, on For You, My Love with my wife, actually, which has been really cool. She's headlining all of that. And uh, we're having a lot of fun creating a lot of that content and and uh, hope, hoping that, you know, it spreads love and just 
spreads joy and, and, and can connect with people. Mikasa's got a brand new album coming out, which I'm really excited about. We spent last year three months in Europe creating this project. And I think that, like I said, I think it's the best work we've ever made. I think we've got some serious songs on there that, that I think for the first time will we'll, we'll place Mikasa on a real competitive level. I think for the, for the last 10, 11 years, we've been... Uh, sewing into Africa and we've toured 35 African countries and we've been like just pushing pushing that and getting to kind of have firm roots in Africa and now we're kind of really wanting to to spread a little bit further and then yeah I mean just constantly just trying to live in the day you know I so I plan a lot and I I try I love strategy so like I'm always trying to think about how and when and why and what and these type of things but at the heart of it you know, today is a gift. Today is so much. There's so much to consume in a day. So trying to, trying to have that balance. So the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Well, first, if you've made it this far in the podcast, thank you for listening. Like, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, attention, um, just you know, to give somebody an ear. It's just such a gift, man. Like, and, 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 if, and honestly, like if you are still here listening to this, I, I just want to say thank you because it means that you have interest in me and that is a gift in its own. So, so thank you for that uh, and thank you for supporting me and thank you for loving me the way that you do. Um, and, and, and to anybody that's, that's new and just found out about me, I, I just encourage you to, to connect and, uh, and to be a part of our community. We've got a really great space on all my platforms. Jsomething.com is my website. I've got a whole bunch of social media stuff, Jsomething Music, which is across the board. And, uh, and if I could add to that, it would be that I, I'm learning that life is really about everything. It's not about the one side. We shouldn't just be pursuing and hoping for the best. We should be embracing it all. And I think in it all, there are incredible lessons. So whatever you're going through, I just encourage everybody to embrace it all and to take it one day at a time. And, uh, and I truly believe that there is light and there is darkness and they're both really needed. And, uh, and I appreciate you guys. And thank you for having me, B. So as Jay says, one day at a time. But at this moment, we're signing out with Slave Savant. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh,